0: All right, what up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have David Fivecoat, who is an executive coach. David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Really excited to be on your show tonight. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. We're excited to have you and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, um, so I grew up in Ohio and I attended West Point, uh, the United States Military Academy, and was commissioned as an infantry officer and served 24 years in the infantry and eventually retiring as a colonel. Uh, along the way, I did three trips to Iraq, a trip to Afghanistan, a couple of side trips to Kosovo, Bosnia and Korea. Um, so I, I stayed pretty busy during the 24 years. Uh, but then in 2017, I retired and transitioned uh, into my, my current, uh, we call it gig occupation, whatever, however we wanted to define it uh, as, as both a, a, a executive coach, uh, a leadership consultant, and a business consultant, Um, and have had the opportunity to work with some phenomenal companies uh, over the last five years and really help them uh, grow and get better and improve their leadership and work with executives as a coach and watch them grow and and develop their leadership skills. And and that really has has been uh, an incredibly meaningful and uh, really enjoyable uh, for me. Um, you asked like what I do for fun. Uh, I am an avid cyclist. Uh, so, um, like I told you uh, before we got started, I'm in Philadelphia right now. So I am not. I don't have a bike here. Although I rented one of those. Uh, they have Indigo bikes, and I I pedaled around town uh, on that yesterday and watched the Tour de France this morning and uh, trying to tried to keep up with my my cycling habit, uh, even even though I'm removed from the bike right now.
0: I got you, I got you okay, well, tell us a bit more about your motivation. what gets you up and keeps you going every day
1: yeah, so um so, so at least So one thing that I've carried on since the Army is you know the Army's tagline for a while was you know we do more before nine a m than most people do all day, and <laughs> after twenty four years of following that. Uh, I still try to get up early in the morning and, and tackle a big project or two. Uh, and for me, that's the most efficient and effective time of the day. And if I get that one or two big projects done, then I feel it's, it's okay. And I, I'll, I'll saddle my bike up and uh, go out for a ride and make sure I get that physical fitness in, uh, which to me is an important part of my day, an important part of keeping me motivated. And uh, you know, I like the challenge of getting out there and testing myself on the bike and seeing Uh, If I can ride more, ride faster, or or do something different than I that I didn't do before. Um, And so uh, I still get up, uh, you know, five o'clock in the morning and uh, try to try to get out there and get get after it and uh, make something happen in the morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 5am every day or do you take weekends off?
1: Uh, sometimes Sunday I'll let myself sleep in until six or six 30.
0: Um, oh, I thought you were about to say like five Oh five or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 have a, I, I have a dog that I got during, uh, COVID her name is Samantha. Too. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately when you get into a routine, especially with animals, uh, they like to keep that routine going and, uh, she doesn't let me sl- sleep in. Uh, too late before we got to get out there and uh, get the walk in and and make sure she gets a, a chance to get out and explore the world.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, awesome. We're gonna jump into your dreams and goals now. What is your vision for your life and your coaching gig, business, occupation thing you got going?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for me, I'm I'm 51 years old. Just turned 51 uh, this year. Um, I'm excited about continuing to grow my company and try to impact, uh, as many people as I, as I possibly can through the executive coaching side. And then also I do leadership talks. I think you, you saw the book that I wrote, which is called grow your grit. Um, it's been out actually next week. It'll be out for a year, uh, 29 five-star reviews on Amazon. They, I promise they aren't all my mother. Uh, and, and, and so, That book has has had an impact on others, and I've helped people develop their process on on how to develop their grit and accomplish their long term goals, which is especially important when any of us set out with sort of a a amorphous goal like creating a company. Uh, And I know you're trying to you know you're trying to grow your company uh, and help other entrepreneurs, and that doesn't come with a roadmap, and there's going to be lots of obstacles and how do you persevere through that and develop that grit that enables you to be successful? And for, for me and what I, what I think and what, what seems to have helped a lot of people that, I, that I've worked with is this idea of figuring out what your personal purpose is, doing good goal setting, making sure that you're putting uh, time on the calendar to actually do it, breaking that big goal up into smaller goals, uh, and then dealing with some of the, the fears uh, that are maybe holding you back. Uh, For example, you know, um, I started my own company in um, May of uh, or March of 2020. And, you know, I, that's a daunting proposition. You know, you don't know if you're going to be able to get a a client. And I went a whole quarter without um, having a client come in through the front door. And I have huge respect for small business owners and entrepreneurs out there uh, because it is a huge risk. And that is a scary proposition, um, as you're looking at no paycheck uh, for 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 three whole months, um, and so uh, I get it. Um, so one of the things that I talk to folks about is okay, you know, you list your fears and you list whatever the worst thing is that can possibly happen. And for me, when I stood the company up, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I you know, I it won't be successful. I, I won't make uh, enough money to keep the lights on. And uh, so how do I deal with that? And for me, the way I dealt with it was I said, okay. I will bound this idea of uh, running this company for a year, and I'll take an I'll be all in for a year, and I'll take an assessment in March of 2021 and say, okay, is the is the company doing well? Is it thriving? Does it look like uh, I can continue to grow it? And if so, I'll keep going. If if it if it wasn't successful for what I deemed uh, successful, uh, you know, I'll close down the website and you know shutter it and put my resume out there and go try to find something that might pay the bills. But, um, you know, taking that risk and taking that step and get myself to actually do that uh, was huge for growth and development for me. You know, I learned how to, to uh, put together a website and I've gone on a bunch of podcasts and I blog every week and all these things that I wouldn't have done that were, you know, that I now feel like are, are pretty cool accomplishments um, happened all because I was willing to take that risk and dealt with that fear of failure, uh, and said, okay, I'll, I'll be all in for a year. And if it doesn't work, um, you know, go try to do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love how, obviously you've seen some success. You're on this podcast. You're talking about your company right now. So, um, it's safe to say you've seen some success and I think it's really cool. Plus you have a book with 29 reviews, right? much successful than many aspiring authors and current authors. Um, I love how you gave it a year and something I've noticed is Alex Formosie says this a lot so I guess I didn't really notice it he pointed it out to me mm-hmm. he said that you can kind of um, tell who you're talking to or how successful they're going to be based on the time horizon they speak on right and so it's like a lot of people are like well how am I going to make money this week and if they go with how are they going to make money this week they can't build anything cool or worthwhile because it's all about scraping cash up this week. If you go, how am I going to make money this month? It's still hard to get outside of an employee mentality. And so your options are really limited when you go to, how am I going to make money in the next six months? Okay. Now you have some business opportunities opening up. How am I going to make money in the next year? Just about any business. If you work effectively enough and you know, you're focused and you're consistent and you're persistent. Um, and you set good goals and have a good purpose, you you can see some income in, in a year from just about any business, I would say. Um, but I think that's really cool because he says, he talks to people like Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett makes like 10 year decisions. And it's like, right. he's on another level, you know? And so I just think that's really cool how you extended your time horizon and you saw success and you're living here and able to talk about it right now. Cause you extended that time horizon, gave yourself time and a yeah. ramp,
1: which is really yeah. cool. And you don't realize like, for instance, blog, uh, well, for instance, blogging, um, you know, I have blog posts that I put published in July of 2020 that still drive four to five viewers to the website, uh, every day. Mm -hmm. And it's that, you know, um, Jim Collins called it the flywheel concept. And you don't realize when you start out on that journey, um, like, you know, when you started out on your real estate journey, you don't realize that work that you put in at some point in time is going to keep driving that flywheel forward and keep bringing, you know, whether it's customers in the front door or eyeballs on your website or, uh, you know, potential folks that are going to buy a house uh, in, uh, you just don't know where that comes uh, from and which ones will, will resonate, but you got to put that work in. And I love that that, that idea of the, the longer horizon because um, you know even with corporate groups I work with, you know, they've got 13-week PLs and quarterly numbers and all these sort of short range sort of things that they're focused in on. Uh, but getting them to pull back and thinking about a longer horizon uh, has really been beneficial for a lot of folks that I've that I've had the opportunity to work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And to the real estate point. I jumped into the real estate um space as like an investor, wholesaler, never gave myself enough of a time horizon cuz I didn't have the consistent money flow to keep the systems up that I'd put in place. So it was like yeah. if this doesn't work in a month, I have to give it up. Yeah. Cuz that was all the money I had. <laughs> Which <laughs> you shouldn't do things that way, guys. <laughs> um but um jumped in as a realtor. And it was funny. I stayed consistent at for about two to three months and realized I can make a lot of money doing this, but I'll have golden handcuffs because I'll hate what I'm doing. And I had people reaching out to me from the prospecting I did two to three months ago about wanting to like do business with me. Are you still in the business of doing that? And it's like, if I had simply extended my time horizon and aligned with my purpose and set good goals by knowing myself, I would have been able to see the fruit of that work. But because I didn't extend my time horizon, I abandoned it. I wasn't able to see the fruit, which is why I'm really optimistic about the podcast because I'm like, I'd do this for the rest of my life. So I think that's yeah. Why. But awesome. So we have Grow Your Company, Do More Speaking Engagements. Your book is out. Grow Your Grit, correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, it be out. Um, so the average, the, the average book in the U.S. sells 400 copies. And uh, last month I went over 1,100 copies uh, sold. So I, I'm at least above average uh, as an author. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, when you ask out what one of my dreams is, I'm um, trying to figure out a right you know, lifelong goal was to write a book. I did the first one. I learned a lot of hard lessons out of it. I did it as a, about as lean as you possibly could self-publishing. And on about as tight a timeline as anybody anybody that I talk to that's interested in writing a book, I'm like, hey, look, first, don't do it like I did it because I set this way aggressive timeline that like zero wiggle room. And I was writing every day and having yep. to do something every day on it. And it, it just doesn't give you enough time to, to really uh, put out a great book. Um, and so uh, trying to figure out what book number two is. Um, uh, part of me wants to write a fiction book, uh, but um, I can't figure out the I, I can't figure out the uh, the financial side of writing the the uh, the fiction book uh, because the Grow Your Grit book was, of course, designed to help people, and it it complements my executive coaching. I use some of the aspects out of it uh, to help the executive coaching clients. Uh, the fiction book I'm not I'm something I want to do, but it, I don't, I'm not sure. I can even get 400 people to buy it. So, uh, who
0: knows? <laughs> you know what you can do? Have you ever read the go-giver by Bob Berg? I have not the
1: good Go-Giver. book series,
0: the go-giver series. It's a good book series, but what they are, they're, they're, um, business parables. And if you want to write, like, say you wanted to write a fantasy book. Yeah. You could write a fantasy novel that has your grow your grit principles kind of throughout by like, Say you have the protagonist and you have the old sage who's kind of leading him throughout the book.
1: Yeah. And, uh, okay. All right. It's sort of like uh, the five dysfunctions of the team and how he uses a, a fictitious story exactly kind of way to, to teach the, the the dysfunctions of the team.
0: Exactly. So then you get really creative on the fictional side, but it could still kind of apply to your leadership business. And a lot of these executives could lower their shoulders, get a little less stressed, and read something that's uh, they probably don't read every day. Right.
1: Right. No, that's a good point. You're the second person that's actually told me that. So maybe maybe I should start listening. To, uh, <laughs> you're in good company.
0: There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. So we got grow your company, speaking engagements, figure out book number two, which we've kind of figured out one step of it. Right. <laughs> uh, right. And what are some other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Yeah.
1: So um, I, I want to keep, uh, you know, I want to keep riding my bike uh, and stay as healthy as possible. And for me, uh, you know, physical fitness was always important for me in the military. Uh, I always liked the, the army because, you know, the first things that we would do every day is do PT from six to seven 30 in the morning. I was like, Hey, I'm a professional athlete. I'm getting paid to, uh, to go work out. And so I still try to continue that as a, as a daily habit, um, and try to keep myself in the best shape possible and take care of myself. Um, uh, you know, you you have to. And that's one of the challenges that I see with executives that I work with is they're so busy uh, that they don't have enough time to look out uh, for themselves and and take care of their own uh, health and and fitness. And so I talked to all of them about uh, sort of reframing the problem. Um, And I, I don't know if you're into physical fitness, but a lot of folks out there are like, oh, you know, I can you know, I've got to go to the gym. It's a 15 minute drive to the gym. I got to work out for an hour and uh, I I drive home and they consider that the workout, but because it's an hour and a half time, a lot of days they don't get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they may get to the gym twice a week because, but because they're so busy on the road and on phone calls and stuff like that, that they don't, they, they don't, they don't get there. And so I asked the executives to reframe the problem and say, Hey, look, Set up your ideal workout as 15 minutes and say to yourself, Hey, whatever it is that I enjoy doing, because we're not, we're as older guys and, and, and women, we're not going to the Olympics anytime soon. So, uh, you know, pick something you like. And if it's pickleball or, or, or ragged ball or walking or, or whatever, or going to the gym, uh, do that and say, Hey, look, if I get in 15 minutes today, that's a good day. And most days you'll get in more, but on those days where you are busy and you can only get 15 minutes, it's better than sitting on the couch or sitting in your chair or sitting in the car or playing. And so figure out what that is. And like today, uh, I did push-ups and sit-ups uh, and, and went for a two-mile walk. And that was my workout. And um, I'm okay with that. Uh, but if I could get more in, I would love to, but it was a busy day and I had a, a lot of work to, to catch up on and uh, to talk to you tonight and, and all that. So uh, I reframed it. Um, you asked what the other goal is. And, and one of my long-term goals is I, I, I live in Columbus, Georgia, uh, which is by no means the mountains, uh, but I really want to live in the mountains at some point in time, whether that's North Georgia or Montana or uh, someplace. And so I would love to have a house in the mountains um, to, to do that. And luckily, I just found a real estate agent that can uh, help, me, help me out uh, with uh, finding, finding that house.
0: There we go. So what? We're talking six, nine months till you're there?
1: No, no, no. I, I met you. So, uh, <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah, uh, some of it is, you know, um, I, I have a 12-year-old daughter that's in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, she has to get, I've, I've told her, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get her out of, uh, out of high school and in college. Uh, and then maybe I'll start looking. Uh, at that point in time, but it doesn't hurt to to keep poking around and looking in different places right now and uh, dreaming a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it'd be in the mountains. Where, like, are there any mountains close to Columbus? So,
1: so, so North Georgia is actually the the tail end of the Appalachians. Okay. Uh, and and there's some pretty good mountains up there. It's 10 degrees cooler than where I live, and uh, they get snow in the winter and and all that. Uh, a little bit farther north in North Carolina, you get some. You get the largest mountain on the East Coast, which is Mount Mitchell. Um, and then uh, I just love Montana, especially the area around Bozeman, Montana. So if I could get out there, that would that would be great. But uh, uh, a lot of folks uh, from Silicon Valley went to Bozeman during uh, the pandemic, and uh, I've really uh, inflated the real estate prices. So. Uh, the the business has got to do really well for the next couple of years to to get me to Bozeman.
0: There we go. There we go. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be, and how would they help you?
1: Um. So so two different guys uh, that I would like to meet that I've never met uh, before. Um, so both, uh, Stephen King and Stephen Pressfield are both authors, both fiction authors, uh, but they wrote, both wrote these, uh, great books, uh, about how to write a good fiction book. And I would love the opportunity to sit down with either one of those guys for the afternoon and just talk to them about what process that they use, how they create these great stories, um, and how they draw the reader in um, to me at least would be a great way to help me get uh, on the road to doing that, that, that first, that second book. All
0: right. It sounds like you really have wanted to write fiction for a while.
1: (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) It it has, but I, but uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you're, it's a big step. And so uh, I just got to uh, I would get to it, and I would do it. Uh, I, I've gotten to the point where I even have a big piece of paper laid out on my kitchen table that I was going to sketch out the different chapters on, and and stuff like that. So we're 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 close, but you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, like you know, you hold yourself up on these big projects, and part of it is that at least with me, I find myself procrastinating when I have big projects. If I don't take the time. To actually break the big project down into a set of small projects. Um, And so, you know, I just need to say, okay, two hours, I need to do this. One hour, I need to do this. One hour, I need to do this. One hour, I need to do this. And create a little checklist. I love checklists. Um, You know, I've got my checklist sitting right here for today of all the different things that I did. And I like, you know, checking the boxes. And, you know, I I just have to get to that point where I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to write on. and I have to be happy, like the Grow Your Grit book was a suggestion from a client I was doing consulting with. I'd always wanted to write a nonfiction book. It wasn't like um, but the client said, "Hey, look, we're about ready to hire this guy to teach our our group grit. Would you look at his book?" And I looked at it, and I was like, "It's a good book, but it doesn't really have a great process for how to develop grit." And she said, "Well, you're kind of gritty, you know you've done all these these things in the army and you you know you you stood up your small business and and all this why don't you write a book about developing your grit and it's like huh okay so that's a good idea so I so that that was the inspiration and it carried me along for nine months to get the get the book out um, but that you know it, I now know what the commitment is to get there which is you know it, it was really trying to pencil in about an hour a day. Of doing something to move the book forward, um, and and that takes that takes time, and uh, I'm not I'm not sure I've settled on the story yet, so we'll we'll get there.
0: I got you, I got you. I'm gonna push you here a little bit. All
1: right, okay. all right, all right. It's okay, it's all right. I need it sometimes. Okay, I need that extra extra oomph.
0: Let's have let's have a little brainstorming session for your fiction book. I know you have some ideas rolling around because I'm the same way. I have some fiction books that I want to write, and I think it's fun. It's just yeah. a fun creative outlet for me, and I've always had ideas. So I feel like you have ideas too. Give me one of the ideas, and let's walk through what the first chapter would look like.
1: Okay, so uh, uh, I'm already ahead of you there. Um, so. I don't know if you, did you ever read Tom Clancy's book, Red Storm Rising? I did not. Okay. It's a, it's a ficti- fictitious book, fic- fiction book on a uh, fictitious World War III. It was written during the Cold War before the wall came down between the U.S. and then the, the Soviet Union. Um, fast forward and, and uh, it's not Mel Brooks, it's Mel Brooks' son wrote World War Z, which yeah. took the same style of global war against zombies and turned it into a a zombie book in the same style that Tom Clancy had used for this uh, book called Red Storm Rising. And there was another one out even before that called World War III, which uh, those are the books I read as a kid. And so I loved them. And so I wanted to write a fiction fiction book on um, taking... A year in Afghanistan, and I led a battalion, a battalion is about 700 guys and women in combat Southeast uh, Afghanistan, and take some of the ideas and stories from that deployment and write it like in that same sort of World War Z, Red Storm Rising kind of style. So you have a chapter that will go to like Washington, D.C., and a chapter that goes to Kabul, and a, a, a chapter that goes into the talent and the chapter that goes into the company that's that's in combat. And so I just can't figure out how it all goes, fits together. Um, and, you know, you basically need 50 chapters uh, to 10 pages of pop uh, to, to get your story out there. And you got to have, you know, you got to have the beginning, the middle, and the end. I'm just, I've got that idea rolling around in my head. I just got to get to the point where it, I, I will take a bunch of stickies and, you know, sort of do different, you know, write out 50 ideas for chapters and sort of move them around and see if I can get that story arc where, you know, the, who's the protagonist, who's the, you know, cause there's lots of characters in this thing, but you've got to sort of narrow it down to about 10 or 15 and say, okay, what's, what's happening here, what's happening there. And, and how do you move the story along? So
0: have you already done this process? Like you've taken the stickies and you've placed them?
1: No, uh, that's why I got the big piece of white paper out.
0: (laughs) It's been rolling around in my head and I've, I've,
1: uh, I've listed, uh, you know, some ideas for chapters in notebooks and, and, you know, but it it hasn't gotten any, any, any more deep than, Hey, this was an interesting thing that happened during the deployment. Maybe I could turn this into a chapter and this is an interesting thing. Maybe I could turn this into a chapter.
0: How many, how, how much time would you say it takes you to get that done? If you were to like focus on it and be consistent with it
1: uh, probably a week um you know a, an hour or two well to to get a rough uh, you know rough sort of you know idea out there you know you gotta for me I'm an iterative kind of guy, so you gotta get it out there and then you gotta let it sit for a couple of days or week so you know, I don't know about you, you know, we all have those moments of inspiration in the shower, right? Because, you know, you're totally focused in the present and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to move this chapter around and, and, and get it into, into this idea. So anyway, that's, uh, that's how I work. Uh, I know it's not how everybody works, but uh, that's how, how it's worked for me.
0: Cool. So next Thursday... Uh-huh. Are you going to send me a picture of the 50 sticky notes? <laughs> uh,
1: give me till next, uh, not, n- not this Monday, but next Monday. I'll okay. send you a picture of whatever I got at that point in time. I know I've got a week solid at the house. Like I told you before, I'm on the road in Philadelphia. I got a, I'm flying to Ohio tomorrow to see my folks. And, uh, but I know I've got a week, a solid week at the house next week to, to maybe, maybe move some stickies around.
0: All righty. Monday, July 19th.
1: All right. All right. I'm right down.
0: Sounds good. Here, write all down right. my number too. So you can text it to me. <laughs> I
1: got your email already, I think.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's great.
1: Then I, I can send it that way. Perfect. Okay. That way you don't have to give out your phone number and so all your fans won't start uh will will start texting you.
0: I've given it out plenty of times. I'll probably have to change it once this podcast pops off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Well, awesome man, we're gonna jump into our thriving three now. And the all first right. question is favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one.
1: Uh favorite movie. Um, well, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, so one of my favorite movies that's come out recently is John wick one. Um, I I like it, you know, I like to joke that it's a love story because John wick loves violence, Um, (laughs) but you know, and frankly, I, I'm, I was disappointed in John wick two and three because John wick one is such a powerful story about, you know, uh, you know, we all get. You know, he was attached to his wife, who died of, of of a disease, and he loves her. She gives him the dog as a way to remember her. He's attached to the dog, and the Russian mob kills the dog. And so, who who has a dog that if the Russian mob killed the dog, that they would want to, you know, retaliate and take out the whole Russian mob uh, for killing their dog. Um, and the and the action is really well. And actually, Keanu Reeves, um, because of that, gun shooter, he competes in uh, competitions engaged uh, target with, with a pistol, a rifle, and a shotgun. It's pretty cool. You can find the uh, that stuff, but uh, you know, technically, it's really good. I got I like you. That movie.
0: I got you. Awesome. John. All right. John won.: There we go. There we go. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself?
1: Um, so I'm a, you know, I, so one of the things I try to do is uh, make sure I get enough sleep. Uh, one of the things that I did not do very if in me as a high ranking officer was I, I, I lived on about six hours of sleep. And in retrospect, I realized that I was not as effective as I possibly, possibly could be. And uh, there were times where I was probably a little bit uh, more, uh, not as nice uh, as, as I probably should have been uh, because I just wasn't getting enough sleep. And I was trying to burn the candle at both ends. And, um, you know, when you got to get up at 4.30 to make it into the office in time to do PT at, at six, um, it, uh, you know, something's got to give and, and sleep gives. Um, I, I, still do a great job of getting, you know, the, everybody says you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night, but I try to make sure I get quality sleep. Uh, I make sure, uh, you know, the, the room's dark and it's, it's cool and, and all that. But for me, the sleep, which is important to recover from the hard cycling events is one of the, the better ways that I try to take care of myself now.
0: Uh, as I get a little bit older,
1: so you look, there you we should can... be, you know, you're rubbing your eyes right now. You should have got more sleep. You should have got more sleep last night.
0: I should have. No, I was really tired. I even took a nap in the middle of the day. Um, and you know, hey, naps, thing- naps are not bad.
1: You, you know, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, if you don't get the sleep at night, take a 15 minute power nap and uh, get up and, and tackle it, especially with a lot of us working from home. Okay. Uh, you're so much more effective. At least I am. I'm so much more effective in the afternoon if I take a short power nap than uh, if I don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing about sleep, I'm pretty sure your body Keeps a sleep debt for like three weeks, and yeah. so it's not like you can get one night of nine hours and be perfect. It's like really right. three weeks consecutive, eight to nine hours to like not be in sleep debt. At least seven, three three weeks of seven hours to be functioning well. I prefer, I prefer nine, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I
1: very rare. So uh, you're doing better than me.
0: I mean, I rarely get nine, too. I just prefer nine. In my ideal life, I'm, like, in bed by 9.30, waking up at 7, because it's, like, 30 minutes to fall asleep, 10 to 7. I feel like anything past 10, I'm not really doing anything productive, so I probably don't need that time of, like, probably not even spending great quality time with my family at that point, you know? Right. Um, and then 7, it's, like, ideally, I'd wake up a little earlier, but then I have to start sacrificing sleep, so... Yeah. <laughs> Right. there's that well awesome we already got your action step it's july 19th I have the outline for that book so right right don't need thank to ask you that
1: be, thank you for being my accountability partner
0: of course of course is what i love to do yeah no that's well, now, awesome thank you for doing it of course and we have our last series of questions all right
1: this is the um, lightning round
0: it's honestly the slowest round <laughs> <laughs> let's call it the thoughtful round okay all right. it's gonna take a lot of deep thought it, you can always say, I don't know to these questions cause I didn't send them beforehand and okay. they are serious questions. So, all right. All right. Either so way. They do require a bit of pretext. Here we go. Okay. A lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that has, uh, help people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, anything to add or subtract?
1: I agree because sometimes you need that external factor to energize you to start making changes. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you know, that can be a great catalyst to to energize you and uh, adopt that growth mindset and be hey you know I'm going to keep learning and growing and you know it's like the shark right you know you got to keep moving you know the shark has to always keep swimming in order to keep the water going over the gills so it doesn't die yeah. um, and you know same thing for me at least you know there's those famous lines you know you got to get busy living or you got to get busy dying and yeah. I like it I, I like being busy living and trying to learn new things and, and go on cool podcasts like
0: this. There we go. There we go. I love it. And so given that same amount of extreme inspiration or extreme desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't?
1: I think some people view change as too hard and mm-hmm. they're comfortable with the status quo. And so even though it, and part of it, maybe they don't get that extreme inspiration point that pushes them to the idea that the status quo is not okay or this, the extreme desperation. And so they sort of muddle through in this middle kind of thing and, um, you know, are, are comfortable with, with where they're at and don't, don't like pushing themselves and don't like, uh, you know, um, have this fear of failure that, that holds them back. Uh, and keeps them from from adopting that idea of changing and and growing and getting better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting about that is that you can be comfy with your status quo and your status quo can be really, really bad. Like some people are comfy in toxic relationships. Some people are comfy um, living below the poverty line. Some people are comfy um, doing a lot of things that we would, as a society view as negative. Now, whether that individual views it as negative or positive, that's up to them. If they're happy and content, Living that way, I say, go for it. But if you're complaining about your life and you feel miserable, but you're kind of like comfy or addicted to the negativity and that's all you've known, it can be a hard thing to break, especially because change is a really hard thing. So just something that like, I feel like some awareness can shine some light into. Yeah. Well, some people need a smaller amount of inspiration or desperation to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that threshold, that breaking point, and can it be influenced?
1: It's an interesting question. Um, it, you know, every person you know is different and unique, and um, as I work with the executives. And, you know, they put up their goals of things that they want to accomplish through the, the coaching sessions. Um, some of them go right after it, you know, and they're, uh, you, know, it, you know, they're very goal oriented and they're like, hey, you know, I've been successful all my life and I'm going to tackle this goal and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, others struggle with that a little bit. And um, they, they may be able to do it great for their company. But sometimes their personal goals get pushed on the shelf in the same way that I was pushing my sleep, uh, you know, on the shelf uh, in the in the army. Um, So, you know, I think part of it is just our own internal hardwiring. And some folks just get to the point where, you know, change is hard and they don't want to they don't want to do it anymore. You know, they, they don't want to do it anymore and they're just comfortable with with, with where they're at. Um, I do think that can be influenced, you know, in the same way that you me as the accountability partner. There's ways, you know, having that accountability partner that is going to keep you straight. Or you know, like for me, when I did book number one, I told a bunch of people I was going to write book number one. And sort of, you know, putting it out there and and saying that you're going to do it uh, is a powerful motivator, at least for me. Uh, some people that wouldn't work, uh, but it, it, it did for me. And so I think that can be influenced.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. I love it. I love the internal hard wiring. And I think you said something key there, that internal hard wiring, when you think about it, it's influenced our whole lives, right? Like, right. you know, the person, the leader says, I've won my whole life. And so they kind of believe that they're a winner they believe that they're going to go win maybe some people is like i've won for other people my whole life but i've never won for myself that's why they can perform for other companies can't perform at home um yeah success literature like when you get into like bob proctor and um napoleon hill and all that they really talk a lot about just your beliefs and thoughts that just are you know you think they're just who you are but not quite they were like put there at some point in your life. So,
1: right. The, the, the interesting thing is if the person, I, I think there is, and I, and I talk about it in my grip book that this idea that they've accomplished something difficult in one arena, there is some tr- ability to transfer that accomplishment to something else because you rely on that and you go, Hey, you know, I did this tough thing one time. So I can do this other tough thing, even though it isn't, you know, they, they aren't even close. Um, but if you haven't ever pushed your boundaries and stretched yourself and accomplished something demanding, it becomes awful hard to do that first sort of really big leap to to go do something, you know, really aggressive. And so uh yeah. I don't know. It that definitely uh if you've had some small successes doing some things you can build that as part of your momentum and and get yourself to to do that big thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I um <laughs> I often tell people uh cuz I'm really big on dreams and goals as you can tell from this podcast. And so <laughs> it's not just in this podcast. Like anytime I have a personal conversation with somebody, I want to hear about their dreams and goals and like, "Hey, why aren't you there? How can we get you there basically?" Yeah. And <laughs> I'll often tell people to like, just go do something big, go do something challenging. And just to build the habit of pushing your barrier. And it can be something, it can be something so silly. Like it's like, yeah, just go ask that person, this thing that is an uncommon question to ask random people. Like just go ask. And then when they give you the answer, you're gonna be like, wow, I did something that I normally wouldn't do. And then you can start to translate that to other areas of your life. So I think that is 100% accurate. And I think it's because um our actions our experiences give us feedback like james clear funny i'm about to mention james clear in the next Mm -hmm. question talks about how our behavior like the goal isn't to um like do things it is to become a person who does things Mm -hmm. and so he talks about how our actions give us feedback about who we are and i think when you push the limits in one area of your life that gives you feedback that you are a person who can push the limits, which is why you can translate it is why I think that can be um, kind of transferred because like a a gritty person is going to be a gritty person, you know, and some of the discipline you had in the military, you probably brought to your small business because you start to see yourself as a disciplined person, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Our next question. um, I want you to keep in mind the avatar of this person who has a really fixed mindset not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change.
1: Okay.
0: So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. And the
0: laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind and the avatar we just talked about, how can we create an environment for that person who has a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, they're not willing to accept change? How can we create an environment that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for them to make the choice that will change their life.
1: Right. So, um, you know, when you dig into clear and I, I, I like clear, I actually like uh, Charles Duhigg's uh, book uh, on habits as well. It's called the power of habits. It came out a couple of years ago, but I know, I I know clear is the more popular, the popular guy on habits and, you know, the, the make it uh, obvious is the cue, you know, that you know, and for this person with the fixed mindset, whatever it is that we're trying to change with that person, you know, the cue is a, what triggers that person doing something. And so you've got to make, uh, that, uh, obvious, uh, then you make the action, uh, easy, rel- as easy as possible to do. And then, uh, the reward you got to make it, uh, I can't remember. Is it, I think it's meaningful, uh, is the, is the reward side of it. And so those three pieces you're all playing with as you're trying to create this person's habit. And and it's it's small steps, you know, you know, that person isn't going to change overnight. And so whatever it is, and and let's say this person, uh, the the easy example is uh physical fitness. Let's say this person has never done physical fitness. And so for the cue, you make it obvious. So you make that person tell them, hey, look, every night you're going to set out your running shoes, your shorts, and your t-shirt. And so when you wake up, the first thing that you see in the morning is that stuff. And it, and it, I still do it for myself. You know, if I don't lay my stuff out to ride the bike in the morning, it is so much harder to get on the bike than it is than if it's sitting there on my chair next to my bed when I get up. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you want to make it easy. So for me, at least I, I get the bike down. Uh, for this person like who's never worked out, we just want him to walk around the block. And so you make it easy and say, hey, look, All you have to do is just walk around the block and then the reward, you know, make it, uh, you know, enjoyable or meaningful, you know, whatever he wants to do to uh, reward himself, uh, for walking around the block and say, okay, you know, it's your reward for me. It's the endorphins and and the, the satisfaction of actually working out, you know, that, that is, is my reward. Um, but, um, you know, that's how you work on a person to figure out whatever the change is. And the change may be something big, like, hey, they need to get organized. So you start out with something easy, like let's make a daily list each night. So before you go to bed, you have to make a list. And so you're going to have this notebook by your bed where you write the list. And so in the next morning, when you wake up, you've got this list and you actually accomplish some of the things on the list. And at the end of the day, you you, you see all the stuff that you've accomplished. And yep. so hopefully that changes that person and makes them... Uh, a slight bit more organized than they were before. But, it, you know, it's small things and it's chipping at it, uh, you know, just little pieces because you're, you're not going to turn a person, uh, you know, a 180 over, overnight. But if you can think about those small wins and small ideas like that, uh, that, you know, Clear talks about the compounding uh, power of habit. Uh, you know, you can build a whole bunch of habits on top of each other that are, are really driving you in a different direction than you were maybe right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. Thanks for breaking it down so well. I need to go reread the book because um yeah, you said some stuff that I was like, man, he did say that. <laughs> so I do go reread the book, clearly.
1: <laughs> well, obviously it, 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 it's actually I I so uh, so there were six executives this last uh six months um that the company asked if we could uh go over atomic habits. Uh, and so they all had to read it. And so, as as one of the coaching sessions, uh, we did our book talk on Atomic Habits. So I got, you. I, I, got a, I, I got a I had to reread it too because uh, I'd uh, I'd read it a couple of years ago when it first got, first came out.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Well, awesome. Is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off?
1: No, just I I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to come on, and and thanks for uh, energizing me. Uh, to get some sticky notes out and uh, uh, you'll get a picture from me on Monday, July 19th.
0: Love it. There we go. And
1: and if folks want to find me, I'm at the the fivecookconsultinggroup.com. I blog weekly on leadership and grit. uh, And right now I've been blogging on the war in Ukraine uh, because it uh, has been uh, compelling as a former army officer. Um, So there's some, some good articles on that to help folks understand the war uh in, in ukraine. Um but they can come find me that way and uh love to love to talk about grit or leadership or whatever they want to talk about.
0: There we go. Well if you guys loved what David had to say, you loved his vibe, make sure to go check out the website. All the ways to contact him will be down in the show notes. As we always ask, go ahead and shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Give us a five star review on iTunes and we're out